This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokatov, good morning. How are you? Bokatov, Chodesh Tov. You know what this means, guys? It's one month to Rosh Hashanah. We are now yes. in the slippery slope. I know, slope. I know. And then everyone's starting with no, you know, all this whole goody two-shoes things and no more gossip for the month of Elul. So I said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. I'll do the gossiping. You just do the listening. I'll be practically like Jesus. I'll do it. I'll take on the sins. And then we can actually at least all have a, a, a pleasant month. And I think that's a good system. That's, is it like being a Shabbos guy? I don't know. Do you, you, I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Re- this is a slippery slope. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope that uh, it will be a good month for everybody. Um, I was reading a very fascinating um, a bit of statistics that has been produced by the Israeli Central Bureau of Statistics about uh, a survey that they did on media and social network attitudes uh, during the year of 2022. And they spoke about how people gather their news, from mm. what the source that they use is for gathering the news. And I was really shocked to read that there are still 47% of people of age 20 and above who rely on television for their news. Television, 47%. I'm surprised 47% even have TVs. Well, (laughs) I mean, when we say television, I I think it could be kind of loosely interpreted. Mm, mm. You could do it on your phone or on your your computer as well, I'm guessing, right? But it's a TV broadcast uh, news source. Uh, 42% of Israelis use news websites. Only 15% rely on social media, social networks. Interestingly, 11.5% still prefer the radio. So, so there is still hope. That's interesting. Um, and then 7.5% rely on content with discussions with friends and stuff like that. But here is really the, the, the most, perhaps the most important part of this. And the most important part is that only 28% of Israelis find social networks somewhat or very reliable, as opposed to 48% who trust the radio, very fascinating, and 44% who see, think that TV and newspapers are credible sources. And, of course, when you look at the age patterns, um, when you look at the 20 to 44-year-olds, for example, then you see that a third of, of – it's only a third of those, that age group, who actually use TV sets as their main news source, as opposed to, for example, in the 65-plus category, 74% of people of 65 years and above still rely on TV for their main uh, source of news. So it, it was very interesting to read that, and, of course, the age group is very, very um, interesting, the way that it, it pans out with the younger people being more reliant on alternative sources rather than TV. But mm. it's also this credibility story 
radio still has the highest level of credibility out of all of those sources, 48% who trust the radio. Amazing. Really, really interesting. And we know the value of, of radio, and certainly we see it. But uh, fascinating, really, really interesting to see uh, this type of study. Let's talk about the first of the Tel Aviv light rail line being inaugurated today. I think this is so cool. Uh, really, really just amazing. Uh, this is, is this the red line now? We have to say it's almost like Shechianu that has to be mm. said, right? Because this is the red line. It's been under construction since 2011. This is something that was supposed to already have been online and running some years ago. The city of Tel Aviv has suffered. They really have suffered mm. through the construction of this red line, and not only Tel Aviv, but also Batyam, and also, of course, Petah Tikva, where the red line will be running. So, yes, this is the red line. The party will be today in Tel Aviv, and ironically, Tel Aviv will be one massive traffic jam because there can be so many roads closed as a result of Prime Minister Netanyahu coming along to inspect various parts of the red line, visiting stations, traveling on the train today. So today in Tel Aviv is not advised for anybody because there are so many road closures. And ironically, of course, the, 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 the light rail system is supposed to do exactly the opposite, it's supposed to alleviate these traffic jams rather than create them. Uh, but as it will be, uh, there will be the parties today, and the first passengers will travel on the red line tomorrow. We are ready, and everything has been done. The safety inspections have been done. The uh, German company that has been involved in checking all of the safety aspects of the red line has uh, the white smoke has come out of the chimney. Everybody's been waiting very impatiently for the final results of the safety checks, and we are ready to roll. The red line extends over 24 kilometers. It runs from Petah Tikva through Ramat Gan, through Bnei Brak, through Tel Aviv, and towards Bat Yam. There are really kind of two um, uh, termination points in the Petah Tikva area. One will be in Kiryat Ariya, where there will also be a depot. It's a sort of a little uh, uh, leg off the main line. The main line will terminate near to Balinson Hospital in Petah Tikva. At the south end of the line, it will terminate in Bat Yam. There is quite a significant section of the line that runs underground um, through Tel Aviv. It's 12 kilometers all in all, which runs from Shenkar Station, which is not too far um, from the Geha Junction just in Petah Tikva, it runs all the way through to Elilefet Station, which is not too far from Jaffa, along the coast, the sort of southern end of the coastline in Tel Aviv, near to the Tachanan, near to the old railway station, near to um, where the Menachem Begin Center is, near to Jaffa. That's where Elilefet Station is. It's quite a, uh, an important station. That will be the last underground station before the light rail line then emerges again um, up uh, above ground and continues on to Batyam. Um, and those passengers who wish to begin using the line from tomorrow will be paying five and a half shekels across the entire route during the initial trial period. Thereafter, there will be some adjustments made to the prices. Um, I was listening to a, a bit this morning on uh, an Israeli radio station, and they'd asked listeners to call in to talk about 
how they think their lives are going to be impacted by mm. um, the operation of the light rail line. And one guy called him to say he lives in Tel Aviv, um, quite near Talozarov, and he uh, works at Balenson Hospital in Petah Tikva. There is a station almost a, a few hundred meters from the Balenson Hospital. So for him, it's going to be absolutely perfect to be able to jump on at Alozarov and get off at Balenson. So for him, it's going to be a life changer, especially, he said, when he comes back after a night shift in the morning and all that traffic is coming in towards Tel Aviv and it can take him up, and, up to an hour and a half to travel from Petah Tikva to Tel Aviv, mm. a trip that would otherwise normally take something like 20 minutes. And he thinks on the light rail line, it might be 20 minutes to half an hour. So for him, it's going to be a life changer. But this was the interesting thing for me. The guys on the radio, the board, the, the presenters on the radio, very, very famous morning show, said the following to their listeners. For those people who are going to be listening, uh, are going to be taking the light rail line instead of driving in the car please continue to listen to us and wow, it kind of struck wow. me it kind of struck me how that you and i are the beneficiaries of people who are in their cars in the morning yeah. and have got nowhere to escape that is so and are kind of forced to listen to something and now there is concern that when they're going to travel on the right light rail line it might not quite be the same and they might lose their listenership as a result of the light rail line uh, people traveling on the light rail. So that was a really interesting little side, which I hadn't thought about. But this is certainly very exciting, a major uh, moment in the life of Tel Aviv. Um, uh, so many uh, things to talk about, uh, lots and lots of politics surrounding the light rail line. I'll just throw one bit of political um, uh, story that, that's going on at the moment. Um, Tel Aviv Mayor Ron Khuldai is probably the one person who has pushed the interests of this light rail line more than any other individual in our country. He has worked day and night to make sure that this uh, eventually comes to fruition, that it eventually services um, a constituency in Tel Aviv. He's really done everything to unblock all the, ro the roadblocks along the way, worked really, really hard. The party for the inauguration of the line, which mostly runs through Tel Aviv, will be in Petah Tikva. And the reason that has been given is that Ron Khuldai is not really much of a government support. He's been quite anti some of the government things that have been going on, anti-Likud, whereas the Petah Tikva mayor is very much a Likud supporter. And so they're trying to promote him and support him ahead of our upcoming municipal elections. And they're having the party in Petah Tikva, Ron Khuldai has said he will not attend today's party, which is a real shame because I think he's the hero who needs to be there more than anybody else. And the reason that he's given is that he says he thinks that the light rail line should operate on Shabbat and it's not going to be operating on mm. Shabbat, at least for now. So he has registered his protest on this particular subject and he said instead he will travel tomorrow with the first passengers when they get on the first train. So just a little bit of politics yeah, to throw in, because I know your listeners love that kind <laughs> of thing. Absolutely. The new uh, president of Paraguay has announced that uh, the country will reopen its embassy in Jerusalem in the near future. So uh, what has led to this decision? So this is a bit of a history. Um, first of all, Paraguay has a new president, Santiago Peña. He was inaugurated earlier this week, and in fact... Um, Israel's Foreign Minister Eli Cohen was at the inauguration. He went along to represent the State of Israel, and uh, he, at the time that he managed to get a few moments to speak with the new president, he invited him to visit Israel, and he invited him to reopen the Paraguayan embassy 
in Jerusalem. Now, there is a little bit of a history um, to the story because uh, Paraguay was one of the five countries that decided a few years ago to open their embassy in Jerusalem. The other countries being uh, Kosovo, Honduras, Guatemala, and the United States. And I think that as far as Paraguay was concerned, uh, the opening by the United States and by Guatemala was really influential in the decision that was taken by then-President Horatio Cortes to open the Paraguayan embassy in Jerusalem. However, as soon as Horatio Cortes was uh, voted out of office, his successor, Abdo Benitez, decided that he had not been consulted on this decision to open an embassy in, in Jerusalem, and he decided to move the Paraguayan embassy back to Tel Aviv. And the, uh, the Jerusalem embassy only was, stayed open for about five months before it was moved back to Tel Aviv. Now, at the time, Prime Minister Netanyahu was so furious with this decision by the Paraguayan embassy, uh, by the Paraguayan president, I'm sorry, that he decided to close the Israeli embassy in Asuncion, which is the, the capital of Paraguay. And since then, Israel has not actually had an embassy in Paraguay. So as a result of the new president being elected, and showing willingness to reopen the Paraguayan embassy in uh, Jerusalem. Israel has also agreed to reopen their embassy in Asuncion, so that apparently will be happening very, very soon. And alongside that, just an interesting uh, related story is that Uruguay has decided to open a diplomatic office in Jerusalem. So together, Paraguay and Uruguay seem to be showing a little bit more faith in the possibility of locating Amazing. their ambassadorial staff in Jerusalem. And, of course, for Israel, that's a really important statement. Really just phenomenal. And uh, finally, an explosion at a weapons warehouse in Syria that was attributed to a, an attack, uh, an Israeli attack, may not even have been an Israeli attack after all. So uh, just uh, take us through this. Well, we don't know very much about exactly what transpired in this attack, but this was a, a, an explosion that took place uh, a day or two ago in the middle of the night, apparently a huge explosion. The warehouse uh, was reported to be on in the outskirts of, of Damascus in Syria, uh, a, an explosion and apparently a subsequent fire that apparently continued to burn for about 40 minutes. And it was very easy to say, oh, that's down to an Israeli attack. But the problem was that there was really no evidence of an Israeli attack. And so the question is, what happened? How did that come about? And whether this was potentially something that was an attack by some sort of a renegade group within Syria, because the um, warehouse itself was one that belonged to the Syrian army's 81st Brigade uh, and seems to have been housing arms and ammunition of some sort. And when there is arms and ammunition within Syria, there is always the suspicion, the uh, concern that it might have emanated from Iran. It might well be on its way to Lebanon. So there's always um, some concern about exactly what happens with arms and ammunition in Syria. And we know that Israel has certainly carried out more than a few attacks on Syrian soil in order to prevent the flow of arms and ammunition from Iran to Lebanon through Syria. Mm. Uh, but on this occasion, we're not quite sure whether it was some sort of an accident that might... Ooh, Anthony, are you still there? Anthony was saying, uh, talking about the explosion at a weapons warehouse in Syria, originally attributed to an Israeli attack. It may not have been one after all. Anthony, are you still there? 
No, we seem to have lost Anthony, but uh, with that, that is the Israel Report. We chat to Anthony every Monday to Thursday at 7.45. Uh, it's about to go 8 o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com.